Hey, Guy, how was Nashville, man? Amazing. All right. Can you tell our good listeners what you're doing in the city of bachelorette parties? I was at the magnificent Clio Cloud Conference 2022, uh, one of my not-to-be-missed conferences at, uh, at the Gaylord Opryland Resort. You ever been there? I, I have not. It's hard to describe. Bob Ambrosi does a nice job of trying to articulate it at Lawn Next, so check out his review. But it is quite a spectacle. Indoor water parks. They got a river, a boat. You've got a river? Inside river. It's like, it's kind of like if Disney World was all inside. And country. And country and Vegas hotel, kind of. I don't know. It's a <laughs> lot right. going on in there. It's a heck of a thing. What was your favorite part of Cleocon? Uh, you know, I always say this, but man, they have an amazing community at Clio. Yeah. And you can just tell it's a the the energy when you go to Cleocon, it's something you really have to see. All the way from the Cleons, those are the people that work at Clio, their entrance, uh, the support they provide attendees, the people who are there in terms of uh, expertise. And it's just very like forward thinking, innovative people in legal, whether it's lawyers, whether it's consultants, whether it's technology people, it's just, it's quite a thing. I, I highly recommend ClioCon to everybody. Next year, we expect to see all of you at ClioCon. I already bought my ticket. You're they you ticket know, they, uh, they give right. you a big discount. Yeah. If you buy it before, well, we're recording this after October 15th. So I already missed it. But oh, too late. Prices are only going up. They're not going down. Right? You snooze, you lose, everyone. Snooze, Inflation. you lose. Inflation's here. So, Conrad, in addition to the Gaylord Opryland Resort, what are we talking about today? Well, as usual, we're going to start with the news. Lots of interesting news coming out, including a big announcement that came from the Gaylord Opry Resort at CleoCon. So, stay tuned for that. And uh, we're going to go back. One of the things that we've talked a lot about regularly, and this is hot off the press now, is takeaways from the 2022 Clio Legal Trends Report. And now, time for some music. Money makes a world go Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. It is time for the news. Well, continuing on our theme of Clio, Clio announced a bunch of updates. We had websites, which we're going to come back around to later on in the segment, texting and better integration. So were all of the announcements out of Clio what you expected, Guy? Uh, I'll be honest. I, I didn't see websites coming. Uh, I'm okay. not surprised. Texting, some of the better integration stuff. I mean, look, the vision here is to make the operating system, the platform, the only software you need stay inside Clio for lawyers. So they made some great strides in realizing that vision from my perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, they want to support lawyers helping their clients all the way through the uh, legal services consumer journey. And I think that they've made some strides on that for sure. Great. Yeah. Next in the news, Gonzalez versus Google. Give us the top level don't read. 
you know, I am certainly not a Section 230 expert. You know, we had Professor Goldman on. I know you recently chatted with a uh, Section 230 expert. I, short version is this. Both sides of the political spectrum seem to be questioning whether or not the internet should be this liability-free zone for users and platforms. Uh, we'll put a link to the Vox article, but um, looks like the Supreme Court's going to take a look. Oh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what the Supreme Court does with this one. It'll be interesting. But, you know, in the context of, we've talked about this many, many times, you know, it's fake reviews, it's misinformation, you know, there's all this stuff going on out there. And it's like, is that just for better and worse, buyer beware? Or should there be some accountability and liability for either the platforms or perhaps the people? You know, certainly my, my view is this is pretty easy from a fake review standpoint. And I think the FTC is probably going to start. I think they're already cracking down on this a bit more. But yep. if you buy fake reviews, if you're publishing fake reviews, it's very easy to fall under violations of your rules of professional conduct. And I think also running afoul of the FTC's rules. So I don't All know. Right. Section 230, change is coming. We'll break the internet as we know it. Maybe. I'm a big Section 230 fan. Okay, Google Business Profile. Now, this is not news. The only news is that nothing has changed. If you're a regular listener to Lentero Legal Marketing, you will have heard us last session and possibly even this session before that talking about the problems with Google Business Profiles. Guy, what are the problems with Google Business Profiles and why are, at least I'm continuing to recommend to people, Play MC Hammer and don't touch this. <laughs> the root problem is that Google doesn't make any money off of uh, oh, you Google cynic. business profiles. Okay, <laughs> for those of you who had the over-under of four minutes before Guy got cynical about Google, you are now winning. Yeah. So the short version is, is that people are getting suspended for all sorts of things that they shouldn't be getting suspended for. And so, you know, if you really, if it... If Google Business Profile local pack visibility makes up a big percentage of your lead generation or your reputation validation when people searches on your name, which it does for most of you that have it, I guess the way I would respond to Conrad's like, don't touch this is don't touch this unless you absolutely, absolutely have to. So put it that way. Or don't touch this unless there's nothing to lose, right? If you're not, if you're not winning right now, yeah, if you're not getting phone calls, if you don't have any reviews on your profile, great time to experiment. And if you don't know if you're not getting any, any phone calls from Google Business Profile, you might want to update your uh, internet tracking. Anyway, that's a If you don't know what Google Business Profile is, you better go learn right now because yes. where have you been? Pay you obviously never listened to us. hundreds of dollars to learn about what that is. Okay. Bunch of good conferences coming up. Gee, we've got Crisp. Uh, the Great Legal Marketing is set to kick off. You just had Clio. This seems to be the very, very heavy conference season. Any others that you wish you could go to? Um, not just wish, but um, I may be attending the um, AAJ's winter convention. I think that's not until February, though. Uh, of that's course, got to plug Tech Show in March. Tech Show, March. Yep. But, you know, I mean, again, if you've been feeling like you're kind of on an island managing your firm, get to one of these great shows because, you know, as much as I ranted against conferences before, and in fact, Bob actually, Ambrosi at Lawnex, he actually made a critique that it was the first time he felt like ClioCon was a, a little more pitchy than usual. But, you know, I think some of that's, the maybe I'm hedging a little bit from my last rant about this. I think some of it's the nature of the beast. You know, these conferences are for vendors, they're vendor funded, but 
there's so much to learn. I mean, I can't tell you just being around people that are like thinking differently about law practice. Yeah. It's so valuable. Get out of your box. Get out of your box. And finally, and full disclosure, I'm an investor in this company, so I'm happy to bring this to you, but just know where I'm coming from. Justice for me, those of you who have heard me talk about justice for me in the past, this is a company that will offer financing directly to a consumer in their need for legal services. So instead of you running the risk of that consumer not paying you, they will actually take that risk for you and guarantee that payment to you. They just raised $10 million in debt funding. So good they, for them. It's I'm super psyched about this. I I really, you know, I got into the legal market back in 2006. I talked to Mark Britton at the time. And he talked to me about how technology was going to make the legal service world much more accessible to lots of people. It feels like that is moving very, very slowly, but services like this make that available. And so I was really excited for them to make that debt funding raise. While we're talking about money, let's have some ads. And then we're going to get back into this talking about what Clio launched at their conference, the Legal Trends Report. We've been waiting for this moment for a long time, and here it is. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. And now it's time for the Legal Trends Report Minute brought to you by Clio. Hot off the presses, it's the 2022 Legal Trends Report Minute. Here's a fact about lawyers who switched jobs in the last 12 months. 37% of them moved firms in pursuit of better work-life balance. Given the irregular schedules and long hours that lawyers often dedicate to their clients, it's no surprise that many are willing to leave in pursuit of a more manageable work life. The unfortunate result is that staff turnover can be incredibly disruptive for both you and your clients. You know, this is an interesting one. Uh, again, so grateful for the Legal Trends Report in general. New edition. I think we'll even go deeper and have some more segments about it. There's so much good stuff in there, so go get it. But yeah, lawyers are like a lot of other industries, folks moving jobs and reprioritizing what's important to them. Late nights and long hours are not as uh, important to folks as they maybe they once were. You know, I don't know if you saw this post, and I'm I'm blanking on the name of the firm. These are corporate. This was a 
a corporate marketing department that switched firms, not just a person, but the entire department switched firms. I saw that headline. I'm blanking on it too. I'm blanking on the names, but, and and it really was around work-life balance, right? And so it was just a, that was surprising for me to see a team of people deciding to get up and switch. That must've been a really interesting negotiation and a bit of a shock, right? Um, Totally. So work-life balance, important. We talk about this, probably not enough. For more information on what law firms can do to keep good people, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends. All right. Well, as Conrad mentioned, one of the announcements from Clio.com was that Clio is entering the website builder game and as I facetiously joked on Twitter, the SEO game. So, Conrad, we're still learning about Clio's product, and we don't want to just go deep. We will put a link to uh, Clio's product page. But, you know, we've, we've talked about website builders. What are some things that lawyers that might be considering Clio's website builder to be thinking about in asking about in the context of website builders? Well, you know, I have been... I will go on the record as saying I was completely wrong in thinking that Clio would never do this, mainly because from an executive perspective, I know some people have a lot of influence there who were really, really reticent about launching websites for Avo. And then when they did that, it was frankly a flaming disaster. The Avo websites were terrible. Um, and it was a bad experience for for customers and it was a bad experience for, for Avo internally. And so I was really surprised to see this. And, and the, the answer to your question is built into the history there. A business that is funded by venture capital is looking to scale, right? So you need to understand that as the background. And so the only way, and the problem with doing websites, as Guy and I know absolutely painfully well, is that there is a subjective side to the design of a site. There is a subjectivity to it that is, by definition, not scalable. And so... I think when you are thinking about Clio specifically, you need to have that as a background understanding of you're probably going to get what is a well done but very, very templated approach to a site. Now, Guy, the sites that we've looked at so far, and I, I want to talk about generic, about some of the other non-WordPress sites, and we can talk about WordPress builders as well, but the sites that we've seen from Clio so far, they... I think fair to say are somewhat simplistic. The ones that we've seen live are single page, right? So you can navigate to sections within a page. They do have real-time booking functionality that I think is really fascinating that is going to probably dovetail directly into Clio Grow. But speaking of Clio Grow, this is built as out of the box as being a subdomain of Clio Grow. Right, which I would see as somewhat problematic. Now, I, if I if I recall correctly, you can actually move that to your own domain. Is that correct? Yeah, and and so you know, like many of the uh, proprietary website builders, you know, they're giving you the product, they're giving you the platform. You know, you always talk about they're giving you the car, and not the gas. And so, you know, the idea here is it's low cost, do it yourself. But if you don't know about creating a custom domain, if you don't know about things like robots.txt file, if you don't know about things like HT access files and 301 redirects, we have no idea what Clio, how Clio is going to support the product, right? It's very, very new. Fair. It's going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But as we notice, there are 
Clio Grow websites that are currently indexed in Google that are on the cliogrow.com subdomain, which is not optimal from an SEO perspective. And, um, you know, as we've talked about many times, it's like, whether it's GoDaddy or Wix or Lawlytics or whatever, I mean, even WordPress, out of the box, they don't always do work the way that you think that they should work. So, could, you know, look, I, I look at this as like in the conversation of the proprietary versus WordPress thing. You know, plus side, keep it simple, do it yourself, low cost. I think one of the coolest things that they're doing is they're actually using some of your Clio data to populate some of the stuff on the site, which I think sure. is a really, really cool idea, right? So like, you know, if you have an average, I'm just making something up, I don't even know if they'll do this, but if you have an average response time to matters in Clio, maybe they publish your response time, which is obviously very important to potential clients on your website. That's a very cool thing, in my opinion. But that being said, it's like, it's this classic line, you know, it's, Squarespace is the same thing where it's like, oh, out of the box, you're SEO friendly, you're SEO optimized. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, your people are going to start searching lawyers near me and your website's going to pop up. It's like, well, not necessarily. So my take is, I feel like they may have taken the shroud off the sculpture before it was completed. And I think there's a lot of opportunity. I'd like to see more of this. If I was advising you on this kind of low-cost do-it-yourself approach, my advice would be, I think it's going to get better. And this is probably not the example where you want to be an early adopter. Right, I think we're going to see some better examples. I think we're going to see things built out a little bit better, but this might not be one where this this is where the cutting edge may become the bleeding edge, right? And it's probably going to get better. I just want to see that before you decide to jump into this. The other thing, Guy, just as we're talking about this, I think I think in the back of this, from you and me, we have this. Maybe it's a level of arrogance, although it's probably built on experience here, that, that WordPress is the answer, right? If it's not WordPress, it's, it's garbage. That is also not necessarily true. And I think that you run the risk of having just as many problems with WordPress if it's not done well either, right? So it's, it's not That's like, right. oh, I've got WordPress and now I have an SEO optimized site, and, which I often hear from people. Well, that's what I tell people too is like, because I'm always like, let's just just use WordPress, even though you're, I agree with you, WordPress can create the same issues. And, and in fact, WordPress probably, you know, WordPress is like the sales, quote unquote, sales force of website builders, right? So it does a ton of things, very configurable. I mean, it's not open source, so that's maybe not a good combination with maybe like more like Zoho. That's probably too inside baseball for people. But the point is, is that I don't really care what platform you're on. You know what I care about? Does it load fast? Does it look great on mobile? Is it reducing the friction between someone who's searching for information about you or your firm and getting to signing up for a consultation or contacting you? Like, that's what I care about. You know, I think of the Seth Godin pretty websites. Like, it doesn't really, I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care about the subjectivity part. Is it converting or not? And are we able to configure it in a way that optimizes it for the experience of those potential clients? Because otherwise, who cares? I don't well, care. Hold on, let me. I I am gonna push back on that because go ahead. I, and away. I think you're gonna agree with me. I think you do care if a law firm is beholden to a proprietary platform that they can't get away from without either great expense, technical effort, or starting over. Right? That is problematic. That's massively problematic. And so I I do think that is one of those cases where you find yourself on a platform that no one else can work on. 
you're stuck, right? Your vendor now owns your relationship and owns the site. And if you want to do things on that site that they're not interested in, like go pound sand, buddy. Well, that's why I always say just use WordPress, but <laughs> I was trying yeah. not to, you know, trying to get the others. I mean, look, uh, you got to balance, right? It's just like everything else. There's no silver bullet for everything. Squarespace and Wix has done a really good job of moving forward from an SEO perspective and giving you some more configuration options. It's a balance between time, the cost that you're going to put in, and um, you know your experience uh, working with some of these platforms. But yes, look, you don't want to be beholden. But if it's you know a dollar, I'm just making something up. But if your platform's a dollar a month and it does all the things that you needed to do and it's converting, like I don't care. But to your point, if you ever want to switch, that's where the issue comes. And, and guess what? By the way, for the most part, most of the proprietary CMS solutions that you see, especially in legal, they're not the most affordable option anyway. They're not very configurable. That's true. They don't, you know, they don't have all of the advantages of like the Wix and Squarespaces. They don't have. That is that is so that is a great caution, right? The funny thing is the more expensive the platforms are you're often giving up that flexibility, right? I think that is a is a very salient point. And with that, we're going to come back in a moment, but we're going to take a little break right now. We're going to speak later on about spam, ramen, and lawyers. And I don't mean spam as in stuff you get in your inbox that you don't want. I mean the stuff that you get out of a can in an economic downturn. So to the five people who are listening to this podcast, you didn't leave us any reviews from the last episode. And so this is my reminder to give us some feedback. Tell us what you want to hear about. Leave us a review. If you just landed here, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell a friend, you know, hey, check out Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Share the episode. We'd love to hear from you. And for those that do listen frequently. We do appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Thanks so much. And please, if you are a website product manager at Clio, do not leave us a review. No, leave us a review. We would love, actually, you know what? We would love to have you come on the, on the show and talk about the product. Exactly. How's that for an invite? There you go. Okay. Now I talked about spam and ramen and lawyers. And the reason we talked about this, one of the things that came out of the Clio Legal Trends Report, kind of the top level on this was the lawyers are not keeping up. Lawyers' pricing and business models are not keeping up with changes in inflation, meaning basically you are discounting your services over time. We, and we talked about this last week. We presciently saw this coming, Guy, and then boom, it shows up in the Clio Legal Trends Report. Bob Ambrosi did an interesting cover on this. We'll make sure that that goes in the show notes. But the reason I talk about Spam Ramen, there's a macroeconomic theory of the counter-cyclical demand product. What the heck does that mean? For those that's of you- That's MBA talk right that, there. No, that's econ. That's, that's even nerdier no. than MBA talk. That is, they don't that teach is, that in law school. Microeconomics. And, that, and it basically talks about there are some products out there that the, the worse the economy is, the greater the demand for that product. And spam is, a, is an obvious one because as your micro-econ teacher will tell you, people will start replacing their strip steak with canned spam, right? So they're still getting meat, but it's not high-end. And it's an interesting perspective. You know, when we dealt with the economic downturn brought about by COVID, 
there was a downturn for legal because people weren't driving and getting in wrecks. People weren't driving drunk. The courts were closed, like nothing was happening. And so there was kind of this reduction. But Guy, can you talk about how in an economic downturn, we actually may see an increase in the demand for legal services and therefore no reason to keep your pricing as it were. Yeah. And so again, go check out the legal trends report. But one of the big headlines was kind of this interesting situation where demand for lawyers is up. And if you're wondering about that, you're like, well, I don't understand. It's like, well, think about it. Economic hardship times create more stress, more anxiety, can put stress on families, put stress on personal finance. So you think bankruptcy, family law. Crime. Crime, sadly, crime. That's where I was going. Oh, sorry. Um, sad, sad in all those, right? Those are yeah. all, but you know, this is what a lot of consumer-facing lawyers help people navigate some of these tougher issues. And so Legal Trends Report, demand for legal services up. And we don't know the, unfortunately, they don't segment it by practice area, at least that I didn't see. Um, so we don't know specifically which segments are particularly up. But the pricing is not keeping pace. So lawyers are, they're not raising their hourly rates. They're to a large extent still, even though legal services and consumers want this, they're not changing their pricing models. And the short answer is, is that the way I look at it is this, look, things get more expensive. If you don't address the pricing issue, at best, it's cutting a little bit into your margin, but eventually there's an inflection point where like you're not keeping up with being able to like pay your bills, right? Or do a great job for your clients, right? Right. And and again, this is another thing too, and we talk about this in the context of like the wellness stuff, but like if your pricing is causing you to have financial strain and hardship and stress and anxiety, to Conrad's point, this is the thing I think a lot of lawyers don't connect is that you're not doing the best you possibly can for clients, period. And, and I would talk to lawyers all the time. And they're like, lawyers are outside of this. Like, we just do great for clients no matter right. what. And I'm like, you know what? And then you wonder why lawyers index high for substance abuse issues and all of the uh, family issues that we talk about. You got to take care of yourself. And part of taking care of yourself and taking care of your business, because it is a business, not just a hobby for many of you, is to understand your pricing in a time of historic inflation growth. All right. So change your pricing. It's Q4. It's a great time to up your rates, even for your existing clients who have been sticking with you. They're happy with you. Great time to up your rates. Q4. Okay. The other things that came out of the legal trends report from Clea that I was really excited because I guaranteed, I made a promise during the last podcast that in the top three, things that people care about when they are hiring a lawyer was going to be responsiveness. The responsiveness of the lawyer being in the top three. Guy, was I right? You were. Number three, responsiveness. Right. And again, I, you know, we, we covered responsiveness. The expectations around speed and responsiveness are only getting higher. So... Go back and listen to our conversation on sales velocity if you're wondering what we mean by responsiveness, but that's the last podcast episode. Go back and listen to that. What was number one and two, Guy? Number one was reviews, which Wowzers. I think that, yeah, I, I'm not really surprised by that one, right? I mean, I stare at way too many local packs every day, and I will tell you, even when it's like a local pack of lawyers that I know, even though I know that the quote-unquote best lawyer of the three 
the reviews jump out. I mean, we are trained by Amazon to shop on reviews. Now, again, the cynical downside Section 230 problem is, is that there's a ton of fake reviews in there, and people shouldn't rely just on reviews. But let me tell you, they do. Every study Google does, every study Amazon does, it always comes back. People are using reviews as a big part of the equation in making these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Even professional services. I mean, it's just, it is. It's, it is what it is. Hate it. You might tell me that you're a better lawyer than all the people with all the great reviews, and no one knows it because of the reviews. All right. What was number two, yeah. Guy? Two is proximity. So like we've this. actually, yeah, we've talked about this one before, especially in the context of like ads and conversion rates. But, you know, I'll set it up. Personal injury lawyers always say, you know, where's your, who's your target audience? Where's your target market? Oh, well, you know, for the right injury case, I I'll go, go anywhere in the all state. across Texas, baby. Yeah, I'll go anywhere. But again, for the legal services consumer, locality matters. And this was interesting even in the context of they don't care if you're not at your office. They don't care if you're working from home. They don't care if they're having virtual meetings with you but they want to know you're nearby. And so things like your area code and your phone number, where you actually keep your address, your familiarity with local stuff going on, it matters a lot to legal services consumers. That for me was the very pleasant surprise because you know I wrote the book Own the Map that went out through the ABA right before COVID happened where, where we literally are not dealing with the office, right? Where you're literally not thinking about the office. And, and the whole premise of my book was that proximity matters. So it was interesting to see that this still has persisted. There's a great quote out of the Legal Trends Report that says, despite clients preferring virtual meetings, so they do not want to come into your office. They do care that you are local. That was a, a really big insight for me. And yet, you know, some of the things that we've talked about regularly, Guy, are things around, you know, being involved in the community, right? Actually having a presence, that localized recognition is, is a really important thing. And the extent to which, and, and this has been, I think the ugly flip side of this is, you know, it's really easy to create that new office you know, an hour and a half away from me that's never staffed and throw up a GBP profile and all of a sudden you now have a competitor there. What can you do as the real local business to insulate yourself from losing clients to those those offices that that really are just the skeletons? I think that is the, the flip side of this. Yeah. And again, not for every practice area, not for every type of client, but I will tell you location local community, it's an affinity. People like to know. Yes. I mean, we talk about this with like, you know, the Chicago guys, like they want to know, oh yeah, you know, Chicago or, you yep. know, Detroit or, or, and really um, those are big markets, but like in my local suburban community, people want to know that stuff. Like, are you from the area? Do you know the area? Are you familiar with it? And, and it's not even a logic thing. It's much, you know, talking about the Aristotelian modes of persuasion, it's much more pathos than it is logos. Well, that's, that's my I philosophy. I love it. Yeah, he's yeah. um, philosophy degree it, making an entrance at yes, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. It's, a, it's an emotional connection that, yeah. and again, lawyers don't think about this, right? Because it's like, well, I have the most experience. I'm the only lawyer who does this. I'm the hardest fighter. But again, it can just be like, it's someone from my community. Yeah. You know, we go to the same whatever it is, whether it's, you know, the elementary school. My kids go to the same school. That stuff matters a ton for legal services, consumers, and 
Um, I would, and so what do you do? Well, you've got to do content marketing, include location as part of your affinity in your content marketing. Talk about what you're doing in the community. Talk about the places you like to eat. Talk about the events that are going on because that's going to resonate with those local consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Number four was interesting to me. We're going to, we're going to talk through number four because I feel like there's a lot of resistance to this. And we talked about you know upping your hourly rates. But number four was billing type. What the business model you are employing are you charging hourly? Clients really seem to want and expect options beyond that hourly rate. And yet there has been a digging in of the heels among the legal community to do that. So I think the demand that you're seeing from clients or the, what they're valuing is a different model, by and large, of what, what many of you are serving up. Yeah, I think that might be a, an opportunity for a future episode on different business models. We've, ta- we've touched on it in the past, but it's obviously a big thing. And then number five, scheduling availability. We talk about this all the time, even in the context of search. But like, if you're showing that you're not open after hours, I mean, people are working during the day. And so if they can only get a hold of, if, they're, if you're going to schedule on your own terms, you're going to lose out. I mean, it just is what it is. Or, or if you send them a Calendly link and your next available appointment is three weeks from now, I've, get yeah. ready for them to yeah. move on. That's how you should be talking about consultations instead of leads. We can come back to that theory over and over again. All right. Well, Guy, it's been two weeks since we talked. Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. It'll be another two weeks before we talk again. Hopefully, sometime you and I can actually have a beer at one of these many conferences that are coming up because it's been far too long. Until then, we will hope for Michigan to continue on their amazing football journey. And we will see you all in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.